From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 751, DBA DevOps using Query Store with guest Aaron Stellato. Recorded Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. And this is coming out in the holiday season. I hope all of you and yours as well. My guest today is Aaron Stilato, back again, a principal consultant with SQL Skills and a data platform MVP, and my go-to person when it comes to topics like the uh, the the query store system in uh, SQL Server. Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you for having me back. It's nice to be here. Good to see you. And good to see you too. And yeah, we have the luxury of teams, so we get to see each other. But uh, yeah. it's still an audio podcast. That's how that's going to work. Uh, you've been busy. I was, you know, I'm a regular blog reader and I tweet out about the blog posts I like and so forth. And I saw this flurry of activity around Query Store. We talked about it back in May last year, which seems longer ago than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then it was new. Should we, I think we should need to bring people up to date. So what, what is Query Store and why should I care? Oh, so Query Store is a built-in feature into SQL Server that captures query text, query plans, query runtime stats or execution stats, mm-hmm. however you want to call it. Uh, it's available in all editions and it's been available in SQL Server on-premises since SQL Server 2016. It's also, of course, available in Azure SQL Database. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like it came from the cloud developments. That this is, it did, which, yeah. you know, it, it's so funny because in SQL Server 2016, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but the, the big marketing tagline was data driven. Right. And that data was data from the Azure SQL database, you know, solutions that were running. And they had terabytes of data that they were getting like daily almost that they were using all that information to then improve, enhance, you know, existing features, new features and query store really benefited from that. But of course, (laughs) not every workload that we know and love on prem runs in Azure. So once it made its way to box and people started running it, there were a few gaps that had to be sorted out. They're going to experience some new workloads. And it's, and I'm sure it's like, it's the differentiator between what's an on-prem SQL server versus what's a cloud SQL server. Like that's an Mm -hmm. interesting point. Mm -hmm. And and so, Mm -hmm. you know, fast forward a year, year and a half, two years, they've, now implemented those learnings and we're starting to see the, the benefit of that in the later versions of SQL or is it all SQL 2016 onward have all gotten the update? So everything has the updates except for one small, it's a big thing actually, but they, <laughs> but what they did when 2017 came out, there were enhancements in 2017 for query store that they had imported back to 2016. Right. And then again, some things that they've added into 2019 that have gone back to both 2017 and 2016. The latest CU for each of those releases has the, the big change, which is related to capping the amount of memory that is used by query store. So, okay. In Azure, that always happened. You didn't know it, but it was always happening. But on-prem, there was no 
limit for how much some of these hashes could consume in terms of memory space. Mm -hmm. So some customers that had certain types of workloads ran into problems and it would cause, um, it could kind of, it could kind of have a cascade effect, but um, definitely would manifest as a performance issue. And then people would think, Oh, I can't use query store because it causes performance issues. Right. Which not entirely true. Well, yeah, they, they, you know, the new things always get blamed too. And the whole point with query store <laughs> yeah. is all of that computational upfront work that a that a good query plan takes is just stored, so you don't you, you yeah. don't have to wait. Although most of the right. time those query plans don't take that long, but I guess when you're running at scale, it matters. Like the same query is being called over and over again from a bunch of different sources. I can imagine that, that caching those plans has a huge impact. It does. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's why, you know, when you talk to Kimberly and she talks about store procedures and mm -hmm. how wonderful they are and the benefits. And of course, there's always there's always edge cases. There's always scenarios where maybe they don't perform as well as uh, a query with a literal value or an ad hoc query. But, right. you know, in general, having those queries cached uh, provides a huge benefit uh, for performance right. for, you know, an, an overall system performance. Well, and, and, you know, throwing my dev hat on here. When we have tools like Entity Framework and so forth on the dev side that tend to only use queries directly, you, mm -hmm. and rarely do you write store procedures and get the benefit of those things. So this this tool, the query store tool, brings that same capability to those queries generated by ORMs and such from programs. Right, and it's and the th the 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 challenge with those workloads, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I love that you do have that dev experience because that helps. It helps with that side, right? From the sure. from the admin side, what what we struggle with is okay. You have the query that runs with the literal values, and you get a good query plan, ideally, right, for each variation of that query that runs, right, regardless of the of the values, because it gets compiled every single time. Right. But there's a cost for that, right? Mm -hmm. There's the compilation, the CPU cost, and the time that it takes, and then that plan gets cached in the plan cache, and then when it, when you have query store. Each of those queries, just as they're individual entries within the plan cache, mm -hmm. they are individual entries within query store. So, you know, where last name equals Smith and where last name equals Anderson, those are two distinct queries in the plan cache and query store with different plans, with different runtime stats, even though to you and me, it's the same query. Right. But it's not, it's not to SQL Server and how it would execute on right. it because it's evaluating right. those indexes and deciding what it needs to do. But the fact that that's already pre-processed for us means we're going to get some better performance, hopefully. I mean, this all right. comes it's down to that basic argument that we hear so yeah. many times, which is the, the customers complain about the performance of the app and the dev looks at it and then blames the database. And now you play this game of like, what's the problem? Why can't we reproduce it? And, and, and it comes down to things like caching and, and, plan times and bad parameters like mm -hmm. all of those are are part of it part of making it r defined too mm -hmm. so yeah it's a constant battle yeah mm -hmm. but i i do appreciate it. it's like if we've got memory in the sql server that we can let the query store take on that all those classes of queries have an opportunity to execute that much faster just be especially routinely called ones it's going to make a big difference well it doesn't so the the query store memory is is not doesn't replace plan cache memory. Of course. Queries, query, right? Query store memory is just used to track what queries already exist in query store. And every time we execute the query, is this a new one? So if you think of the ad hoc scenario, right? When we talk about the plan cache 
And I'm giving you a picture of this, even though anybody listening isn't going to be able to see it, right? I, know, I, think, the, I think the sound of your hands moving comes through the microphone, Aaron. I swear it's true. For sure. For sure. Right? But when you think about the plan cache, like that is a finite, right? There yes. are limits. They've been in there since SQL Server 2000 at least. Probably, mm -hmm. I'm sure they were there before that, right? But I can think of, of those. And then they changed in 2005, Service Pack 2. But it's a finite based about on the max server memory that you have. And when you fill up that plan cache with those ad hoc plans, then they start to age out, yeah. right? So it rolls. Yeah. Well, with Query Store, Query Store's hash map um, is separate entirely. And that's tracking each individual query. And it basically has a uh, five columns that it determines that it uses to determine if a query is unique. So that hash map, right? If you have different queries with different literal values coming in, that hash map just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Right. And so when SQL Server has a highly ad hoc, high volume type of workload before the latest CU for, again, 2016, 2017, 2019, that hash map could grow very, very large. Sure. In addition to, to other information that it, that it uh, also stores in memory. So. And, and this still gets back to our fundamental truth that the correct amount of memory for SQL Server is always more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What can you get? What yeah. can you get? Right. Well, and the point being that when you add more memory, it's going to use it for things like this. Yeah. You know, as long as you have enough, you, know, you think about every different variation and parameter for a given query, like that could be a lot of items. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. I had a customer that had, this was on 2017. So this was about a year ago mm -hmm. and they had a very ad hoc workload and their query store had grown to a hundred gigs. Wow. Which is insane. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so not only does, is that space on disk that's consumed, right, in your user database, but there's also a percentage of that, a high percentage of that that's being stored in memory, right, right to, to keep track of all of these queries. And when we dug into Query Store and we used that wonderful query hash to find, well, what queries are actually the same, right, even though they have different literal values, but they're actually the same in terms of the, the text uh, we grouped by query hash and there was maybe, let's say, 800,000 queries in query store. And mm -hmm. of those, like 600,000 were the exact same query. Wow. But it was coming from Entity Framework. Yeah. And at the literal value was a GUID. So, <laughs> you know, go What nuts. are you going to do? Yeah, right. exactly. So I'm like, can we just parameterize this query? Yeah. Like, in this framework? is how much heat we're going to take off the system to right. put the effort to parameterize this one. Right. It's a great way to scope the work, right? Like, how so useful? Because when you think about the plan cache, right, the plan cache rolls over, right? Yeah. It, it ages out or at some point. Query store, it's it's all sitting there. So yeah. if you spend the time and you take your top, let's say, 10 query hashes that show up and mm -hmm. you work to parameterize those queries, like, that can be significant load yeah. on your system. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that we have good, that we're turning this into a good diagnostic tool of what we're actually doing mm -hmm. that we can build up that set of data and say, okay, well, this is, the, you know, over, over a, a, a 24 hour period or a one week period, here's what uh -huh. bubbles to the top. And, yep. and, you know, sure, we'll only insert one of the uh, parameterize one of these a sprint, but we'll take the top one each time and get the maximum benefit from it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for putting that into dev words. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you all language to take to the table. It's like I'm asking for one issue to be added to a sprint and it's going to be based on this data it is the most intensive piece of work the database is doing right now you knock out maybe that top 10 mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right? That could easily be half the workload that's that's generating all those query plans. I agree. And the challenge is that when without query store, it's a, it, you can still find it in the plan cache, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's just easier because you've got more longitudinal data um, with with query store. So once that query is parameterized, what does it look like in the query store? Like why, what becomes different? Well, so if we were doing last name, right? Where last name equals Smith, where last name equals Anderson. Now right. it becomes where last name equals at last name. Right. So that query goes in there one time, right. just like it goes into the plan cache one time. Mm-hmm. And then if it has more than one plan, then more than one plan will be stored still in query store. But it's just going to have one row in the query store query text. Yeah. Uh, table and, you know, maybe a couple rows in query store query, but the text is really what does it, right? We only have that one parameterized entry now, right. which and is huge. Yeah, no, and it means it's not, it's never going to need to regenerate that, those query plans. It's not going to treat them as all different. So you, you actually are going to get immediate performance benefit because once that query plans in the cache once, it's going to stay there and every mm-hmm. call to it, and obviously it was called a lot. That's how it got to the top of the stack in the first place. Right, is, right. Is going to u- utilize that plan. So you're going to have uh, good results. like that. And a lot of times they're pretty straightforward queries. They're not truly simple, right? Yeah. T- t- typically there's a join. Um, it's a couple tables, but you end up getting a stable plan even when it's parameterized. Sure. That's the other key. That's the other thing to look for in your sprint, right? When you're doing the analysis of that query is when we're looking at the plans for this query hash, do we get... Do we get one plan consistently or, or is it kind of all over the place? And right. then you may have to do some more work to figure that out. Yeah. But it also would then it helps you with other performance options like indexing and things that you are seeing it lean on this particular plan yeah. over again. And then optimizing the plan makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. this is all ammo. Yes. However, we were also talking about just general improvements in the technology. So this feedback loop of having Query Store out in the world, in in the on-premises world for a couple of years now has obviously bore fruit. They've learned more mm-hmm. about how on-premises is using it differently. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what? How the workloads are different for yeah. sure. Yeah. So what have been? What have they changed? What have been the benefits? Uh, so the the memory cap is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other huge one. There were there were a couple of fixes uh, related to how the information that is sitting in memory is is asynchronously flushed to disk. It was at one point flushed in these larger transactions and they've worked to reduce those so that rather than being a giant transaction that goes down, right, they're breaking that into smaller things. Um, The purge process has also been improved. I I think it could probably still benefit from a little bit more tooling, but it's, it's better, right? Data gets, data gets aged out based on a threshold you set. And then if you get up to 90%, uh, of your space that you've allocated for query store consume, there's another mechanism that kicks in. Ideally, you want to avoid that because that mechanism is slower than that one that kicks in based upon number of days you want to keep data. Right. Uh, but the biggest change that they made, which is in 2019, is they changed the capture mode. So originally, you only had two options. You had all or you had auto. Mm-hmm. And all meant every single query that runs, which you really don't need. And auto meant filter out queries that are insignificant, where Microsoft has internal thresholds that determine what's insignificant. And you don't get the chance to tweak those. And in an ad hoc workload, you ca- I think the idea originally was that what they had for auto was, was going to work for ad hoc workloads. Right. But it wasn't quite there because I know one of the things is like three executions. And so if you think a query only executes once, that's great. But there's a, a couple other things. There's also a, a CPU uh, compile time and a CPU execution time. And so if you exceeded any one of those, it captured the query, even if it only ran one time, right? right? So 
in, in comes 2019, and now they have a custom capture mode where you can specify that. So you mm. can specify a count, you can specify a total CPU compile time, and you can specify a total CPU execution time, uh, which means you get to control that, which means you need data, right, <laughs> right to figure yeah. out what you those numbers are. You need to know what are. to set those values to. Yeah. Right. And that's a little bit trickier at this point. Like, I have no great guidance at this moment yeah. to say, you know, 10, 10, 10 or whatever. But we also right? talking about early days, too. Like, this should be something learnable, too. Like machine learning? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to go that far. Like, this is just basically here, here are the dimensions you're getting back. Here's roughly the memory. Like, there's clearly an 80-20 rule there that yeah. could help the machine get to a point where it's like, that's probably the right value. Still lets you set it. But I yeah. would want to get let the machine give me estimates on that too, based on behavior. Well, you can get the compile info from Query Store, right? right. So again, you you go back to that date, like assuming you already have it in place, right? Mm -hmm. So let me go back to my queries that are executing one time, but that are executing a lot based on that query hash. And if I can't parameterize them, right, to address it that way, which is really what I'd like to do, let me instead filter them out of Query Store so it doesn't get bloated. Right. So I can see that those typically only execute one time. But I would also be able to see in Query Store what the compile time is. Right. So I could get an idea of where to set that. And I would also have my runtime stats to understand execution time. So I can use Query Store data to figure out what I would set those to. And then you can kind of tweak from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, totally makes sense. Aaron, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Two Weeks Ready helps individuals, families, and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Aaron Stilato. We're talking a bit about the updates to Query Store and its overall performance. Because there is an impact. If you're not running Query Store, there is, an, there is a performance gain to be had there. It costs something to store those plans. Yes. But I mean, does. if it's in you memory, don't. it should be trivial. I mean, I'm afraid of the disk dump just because that, that feels like a bonk. Right, uh -huh. that, that hard. If it decides, oh, some of this got to go to disk, and it drops yeah. it all at once. That's definitely, you know, that disk got other things to do. Hopefully, I could allocate where it writes that to a drive that's not that urgent. You know, same way you carefully place where your temps are going to go. Like, see, I have the advantage of seeing you, so I'm seeing your face wagon <laughs> here. Like, tell me how bad it is, Aaron. I'm worrying. So it goes into system tables, which are exposed through views, okay. and that's in primary file group, right? Because ah, it's a system table. Right. So it's in primary. So do you have control? Yes, right? Yeah. I could choose to put primary somewhere else. Somewhere else, yeah. Rather than wherever. Are you going I to do that? <laughs> are you going to create other files and file groups in your database anyway? Right. Because I have some people who don't. Yeah, don't. Well, you also think about, you think about the hierarchy of a large organization around their databases, and somebody who's involved in this kind of tuning is not necessarily the most senior person in the group either. So the idea that you're going to go to the overall team and say, hey, you know, we're using Query Store quite a bit and I would like to make changes to this primary file right. group. And they all right. look at you like you have three. You're going to do what? 
I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Valid point. Valid point. Um, so, yes, you do. But the likelihood that you're going to be able to really do what you want, probably not yeah, great. Less likely. But it, but it is interesting to think in terms of that's going to the primary file group. How is it going to tolerate this? What are the effects of a big write-out? Although, as you've already mentioned, that effect has been diminished in the latest versions. They're not doing the big drops anymore. Right, right. It is it is smaller batches that are getting flushed. Um, right. And again, you know, a transaction log comes into play, right? Because it's got to write to the transaction log yeah. as well as pushing that information out to the file group. So, um, in the limited demo testing that I've done mm-hmm. where I'm running... Like without query store and I'm looking at CPU, I'm looking at batch requests per second and I'm running a workload, right? For a store procedure workload, I don't see much drop off in terms of batch requests per second, nor do I see much change in terms of CPU. I can Mm -hmm. drive the workload both ways with query store on, with query store off and still have have everything complete in in about the same time frame. Right. It's the ad hoc where it really starts to show the difference. So... The demo that I do, let's say I get maybe without query store enabled, I'm getting uh, 600 batch requests per second coming right. through. The moment that I turn query store on, it does drop. It drops to maybe 450. Right. Um, and, and CPU doesn't doesn't drive as high. So I see, I don't see CPU go high. I see my batch requests per second drop. Right. And then depending on my capture mode, I can influence that even more. So if I go into an all scenario, like it just drops even further. Right. But if I've got that custom capture mode, I can, I can still keep it, I think reasonable. But mm-hmm. again, that ad hoc workload, you're, it's gonna, it's gonna change a little bit with query store enabled, but it's hopefully gonna, as you said, you've, you've gonna, you're gonna have data that hopefully you can then leverage to start to make changes that will improve overall capacity of your system. Overall performance, yeah. So, I mean, it does open the door to you. This is a data gathering exercise over some period of time. Mm-hmm. And then you can look at the overall set of data and say, now, you know, what am I going to do with this to make optimizations that would that would ultimately increase that batch time? Right, that, right. And, I mean, that's not true just, just for the ad hoc workloads, right? That's sure. what I'm hammering on today. But in general, right, that's one of the huge benefits of Query Store is yeah. that it allows you to proactively analyze that workload. Well, it's always been very hard to a- analyze ad hoc workloads. One of the reasons we've, as DBAs, pushed back against them so hard. It's like, listen, if we can add a few things here, it's easier to measure, it's easier to understand, it's easier to optimize. But, I mean, it's clearly the tools are improving that we have more options uh, to do that. You wrote mm-hmm. a blog post a while back about turning off query store in, in an emergency. I did. What emergency would you turn off query store for? So if so I had a scenario and and I think that the likelihood that you will need this actually is going to it has dropped with the latest CE, CU. Okay. But back before the the um like the issue with the transaction log where right. it was writing in a big batch. And what would happen is, is it would almost get behind itself, right? Yeah. Like it would try to write stuff out and then it would be, it would have more stuff coming in that it would then have to try to write out. And that then had kind of a, again, a cascade effect on other uh, areas within the system. And so to be able to just blunt force turn off query store, right. because, because that's kind of what's, what's at the lead of the problem uh, is a nice to have. Mm-hmm. I think though that they've got these other fixes in there that it's not going to be as critical it's now. And it's it's in the latest CU minus one basically. So it's it's a, it came out a couple of CUs ago. But it again, they, I like that they ported that back to 2016 and 2017. Yeah. And to be fair, 
if you have an ad hoc workload in 2016, 2017, where you don't have the ability to do that custom capture mode in 2019, right. and you find yourself in a bad spot in either of those releases, you have the ability to turn it off. Just shut it off. And of course, it's not just shut it off. It's not going to hurt anything to be able to turn it off. You just got to be able to turn it off. You just got to be able. That's the thing because before it would be blocked by whatever it was trying to do. Right. So you so you were in a chicken and egg situation. You couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, but. Are you generally turning on query store and just leaving it on or are you running this in a test period? I always, I, I want you to turn it on because I don't know when a problem is going to occur. Right. So this is the, the, the black box effect of I need a black box yep. that keeps recorded uh, uh, records of the situation so that when we do have a crisis, we have better evidence to understand what was causing the crisis. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And certainly less load than, you know, what, what recording queer profiler would do. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, because again, it's, it's a, it can be a high percentage of your workload that mm -hmm. you're capturing. Yeah. Um, and if you try to do that with extended events or with trace, um, yeah. it, you potentially have um, a lot of a lot of data that you don't have an um, a built in way to process mm -hmm. and then analyze. Right. Then you got to go third party or you got to build something to to take all that information. Yeah. With Query Store, everything's right there. There's reports built into Management Studio. You've got the system views you can query directly. I know that some people take that, they pull it into Power BI and they've done some nice visualizations in there. Cool. Right? Great way to slice and dice the data. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very it's very viewable, manipulable and so forth. So this mm -hmm. is I all now I almost see the story arc of we bring Query Store into the equation. Yeah, it has an impact on performance initially, but as we learn more about our the way data is being used, we can actually make improvements that we should net ahead if we yes. do a good job. Yes. That yeah. overall your performance will be higher once you've done the work, but it is an interaction. I don't, I don't know that I can't think of a scenario. Maybe it's just my limited brain for how DBAs would take information query store and make a difference in the database directly versus interacting with the devs to make improvements. That's a good point because yeah. the there's all of that info, the query, I think of mostly like the query and the plan, right? Mm -hmm. In addition to all the runtime stats, but you can parse through all of that, right? So if yeah. I want to find all of the queries that have no lock ins, yeah. I can do that. If I want to find all of my plans that have an implicit conversion, I can do that. Right. So But either way, I'm carrying that back to the dev to go, hey, yeah. Can you you're stop right. with the no lock behavior? I mean, I'm glad right. that we can do that. Like you're not reading through the queries by hand. You're also bubbling the most important to the top. But mm -hmm. it, I feel like you're now coming to the table with way more information. And yes. it's no longer promises. It's like you are now bringing a hypothesis to a coding exercise that then can be measured after the fact. When with they, less effort. Yeah. With, you know, to be able to compare what you get out of the query store this quarter versus next quarter and say, yeah, the change, I can see that you made the changes. I can see that it got rid of a whole bunch of, of entries in the query plan. You know, it's now appearing as parameters queries. We have fewer problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love data, right? So it just, it feeds into all these things that oh, yeah. I like because I have all the information to show you this. Oh, you're feeding my OCD. There's no two ways about that. And I'm grateful. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But it's always, you know, there's a cultural shift generally happening in computing all around about this sort of hypothesis driven mindset that says, hey, when we add this new feature, more customers use it, we sell more to them, right? You're getting right down to that nitty gritty. I'm measuring sales based on utilization of software. The fact that we could have that same loop in, in development and to have those same kinds of conversations uh, through the development process around data utilization is also a positive, right? This is not, mm -hmm. it's your fault. No, it's my fault. And we battle back and forth. It's like, here's the data I've got. 
-hmm. We make these all, uh, I believe if we make these alterations, it will make this difference. And then we go and measure after the changes are made. Did it make the difference we think? Uh Like that is, you know, that is the DevOps story. And anytime I can help DBAs participate in that, that DevOps mindset, what Gene Kim calls the sort of phase three category of DevOps where that includes the word joy. (laughs) 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 Like to be at the table in the joy phase. Well, I, I'm delighted by that. That's what this tool looks like to me is that you get to have that same informed conversation um, with the team as a whole. It is. Yeah. And, and like, I, I think I, I don't want to, um, discourage anyone from also using a third party tool oh, because sure. a third party tool has its own value, captures its own data, right? More server wide, right? A- across the, the entire system. Mm-hmm. Whereas query store is really focused right at the database level. Yeah. I think the two can happily coexist. I would completely agree. And, you know, it's interesting to trickle that up to uh, a uh, class profiler, which, again, data, you know, computer-related stuff, where we have certain data tier classes that are getting called a lot that they come to the top of our profiler as frequently called and relatively long-running, which is the tool we use to blame the DBAs for all of our problems. And then to be able for you to take, I take that feedback, I look in the query store, I see the queries that are called from that class, and they are these non-deterministic, mm-hmm. you know, unparameterized queries and say, hey, if we do this, do we, A, I see the decrease in the load on the query store, but then I, then to have those profilers also show, you're right, the performance improved here, right? We're spending yeah. less time on those calls. They, they fall down the list of problem calls. Like you're validating the data, the analytical data all the way up then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the two yeah. the tools go together, but they're also I appreciate the query store is speaking a language you're very comfortable with, getting yeah. right down to the brass tacks of what your those ad hoc queries look like and how parameters would affect them. But they will ma- the results of that should manifest all the way up the stack, mm-hmm. right? Al- you know, mm-hmm. ultimately right to and we made more money. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the complete end-to-end story yes. um, that I haven't figured out how to tell yet. But you're right. <laughs> well, you're and I come right. at it from an e-commerce perspective, where we deeply bond to this idea that when a website is faster, you know, snappier, people spend uh-huh. more time on it. They tend to buy more. They stay more people buy, and they buy more. And so that was our correlation for profitability. And so, yep. and I, because of course, I'm coming at this from a, I'm a web tuner person, right? And I worked at the DBA level and I worked at the dev level. And so when we were able to make that measure and say, hey, you know, the average number of items in the shopping cart went up by, you know, half for the tuning effort we did over six months. And that turns into this much more money. Like those were very persuasive arguments. We were getting all the way to the end of the measure of why we build software. So the fact that- Taking notes. I love it. <laughs> but the fact that we could poke in on that on each level, right? Like yeah. We were looking, we were, you know, we'd use that profiler and get to this is the call that's happening all the time that seems to be eating up a non-trivial amount of time of the few seconds in any given interaction for a shopping cart. And But then we'd come to the DBA and say, we think this is where this lies. Is there a way we can optimize this? And the, the DBA would then talk about, should we rewrite as a store procedure? Should we call it differently? You know, can we change those things? But they were largely speculative. And we'd do the experiment and then we'd measure again. 
and say, like, did we have, you know, useful results? The fact that you can come with more information about the, how the database is behaving, the, for folks that are genuinely interested in making things go faster, like, that is super useful to say. Does it make more sense the, that it's easier for us to parameterize the query than it is to rewrite a store procedure? We will spend less effort and get a comparable result. Like, sign mm-hmm. me up for more of that. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and again, like you don't have to write a bunch of stuff to capture it, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to roll your own here. It's yeah. just there. It's just turn it on, set your configuration options and go. Yeah, this is tooling we have now and we can bring data to the table. You mm-hmm. know, the side effect of bringing data to the table is not just, you know, you're well defended. It's that when you put the data up on the screen, we're all sitting on the same side of the table at that moment. We're all looking at the data and saying, what does this mean? Yeah. You know, what can we do? It's it's less of a, you know, us versus them versus us versus what the screen says. Yeah. Right. Like that yeah. ultimately the screen then becomes the enemy, so to speak. It's like we, <laughs> we criticize right. the data rather than we criticize each other. Right. 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 But that's right. not a bad thing. Study and criticize, dig into the data hard and come because often then we can come to the same conclusions. There's no longer speculation. This is no longer ad hominem attacks. This is us looking at data and saying, well, what does it mean? What can we agree to do about it? And then let's go compare what we got that week with what we get, you know, two months from now with these changes. Mm-hmm. And then, and then if it works out, crack a few beers. Like that's a celebration when he's like, that's we had an joy. idea. Yeah. There's the joy part. The joy part involves beers. I think I'm going to write a DevOps book that's like when to throw the party. <laughs> right. Like, listen, if DBAs come to you on the dev side and say, we want to add a work item to you and it's about making these modifications to improve this performance and here's going to be the benefit. And you actually get through that whole chain where they can ins- add that work item, it gets accepted, it gets worked on, and you can see the results. That's a party, mm-hmm. right? Like th- those mm-hmm. are good things when our teams can work that well together. So no, I'm very excited about the tool just because of the impact it can have on bringing these teams tighter together. Because you're yeah. working for you're working, you make yourselves work towards the same goal with clear instrumentation of all the different pieces. I completely agree. Well, it's a darn shame we're in violent agreement here, Aaron. <laughs> I know. I know. It's probably a little bit more fun if we're not. Yeah, maybe. I don't I don't know if that's true. Where can folks learn more about Query Store? Besides your blog, which I'll absolutely include a link to because it's great. Uh, um the the documentation um that Microsoft has is is pretty good. Uh I've I've tried to f- to write a lot of posts to fill in sort of the real world scenarios and the the interesting things I've seen. Um, Tracy Baggiano has a query store book for SQL Server 2019. Wow. For those who also love, yeah, for those who also want to dive in. Um, and then I have a, a training class that's um, it's about eight or nine hours of content. I did it as a pre-con or training day at, at SQL Bits this year. Nice. Um, and it's something that uh, we also do through our immersion events. So Awesome. Lots of ways to learn. Lots of ways to learn. There's a ton of information out there. It's it's like any new feature. You just have to find, you have to make the time. It's not find the time, right? You have to make the time. Yeah, you got to block out the time and do it. Yeah. We all have the same amount of time. You got to choose how you're going to allocate it. Right. This feels like something that would is well worth your time that will make a difference, especially if you're dealing with this issue of of uh, per- performance complaints back and forth where more data will, will serve you greatly. Uh, Aaron Salato, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. 